down among Brazilians, coffee beans grow by the billions, so they've got to find those extra cups to fill. They've got an awful lot of coffee in Brazil. You can't get cherry soda, cause they've got to sell their quota, and the way things are, I guess they never will. They've got a zillion tons of coffee in Brazil. Okay, so good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the third in our series on coffee. And uh, again this week, we have our special guest, uh, Philip DeBella, who is going to talk this week about the roasting and the preparation of coffee, I guess. So good afternoon, Phil. Good afternoon, Tim. How are you? I am well, thank you very much. And uh, uh, we had to, uh, of course... uh, do a replay last week of the, the previous week's edition because you were locked up, n- not because you'd been a naughty boy, but because, <laughs> but because, but because of COVID. So, um, Unfortunately. Ho- ho- hopefully uh, uh, things are a little bit better up on the uh, uh, Sunshine Coast yeah. today. Well, I do, I do uh, apologise for that. Yeah, we were put into a, um, a forced lockdown and uh, thank God we came out of it just before Easter, which was good. So, um, but yeah, apologies to the listeners, of course, but um, we've got a great one today about roasting coffee because a lot of people, as we said, and another reason why obviously, Tim, you initiated something like this with your, for your ethnic listeners, um, a lot of people drink coffee, but they don't actually understand a lot about it. So today, what I actually want to talk about is the roasting process. Um, and a lot of people don't realize that there, it is an in-depth process, but I'm going to dumbify it down a bit, not because I'm insulting any of the listeners, but because um, it is it is quite intense and there's a lot to it. But I'm going to give you the, you know, the basic version. But anyone that wants to know more about it, you know, you can research it. A lot of people are getting into the home roasting at home, having some fun with it, um, you know, and so hopefully over the next, you know, uh, this, this segment, people will know a bit more about it. And, and um, if nothing else, they'll appreciate their, their beautiful coffee beverage a lot more. How does that sound? It sounds like a plan, Philip, so um, away you go. Let's start. Uh, uh, for, uh, okay, perfect. Well, so let's go. Let's. Um, so what happens during the roasting process? Um, well, very simply put, uh, there's two things that happen when you're roasting coffee. There's a chemical process um, and there's a physical process. And what we mean by that on the chemical level uh, is that coffee, you know, ro- is, what it does is it's actually ripening the fruit. So as we, we've covered in the segments, it's um, grown on a tree. Uh, it flowers. The flower turns into a cherry. The cherry then has two beans in it. Uh, the beans are then either um, processed through a wash method, a wet method, and where they're, where they're held, or they're a dry method, and now they're, they're experimenting with all sorts of stuff, but we covered that. From that, then obviously we import the coffee. So what we've got to do next is, um, is we've got to roast it. So what happens is the chemical level of roasting is actually the ripening of the fruit. It's turning that green bean um, into something that can be used because if you've seen a green bean you can't bite into it without breaking your tooth and you certainly can't do anything with it you can't pour hot water on it it won't do anything there is no flavor or anything when the coffee's green so the roasting first thing it does is it emits a chemical um, process which is it's ripening of the fruit so it's taking something that was quite natural and turning it into something that can be used on the physical level um what's happening is that it's actually changing color so it goes from green um, to light brown, to brown, to dark brown. And if you left it long enough, it would actually turn into charcoal and combust. So there's something that most people would, um, wouldn't share with you is that, um, and I've seen it happen. We've done it, at, you know, to experiment and see what actually happens is that it goes from, and it takes 
you know, the roasting process, which I'll cover after, takes about anywhere from, say, 14 minutes to about 20 minutes, depending on the flavor profile you're trying to bring out of the coffee. But if you leave that coffee in there for 40, 45 minutes to an hour, it would slowly keep going towards charcoal, charcoal, until it turns very rubbery, and then it would ignite um, and actually combust. Um, so there's something interesting. Uh, what happens through the, um, the process of roasting coffee is that it, the chemical change that happens is that we get over 800 different compounds. Um, and what's funny is that, you know, if you live near or you've driven past somewhere that roasts coffee or you, you, you've had a go at it at home, you'll actually know this. And people say, why is this such an aromatic, you know, presence about coffee? You know, or at the end of the day, all you're doing when you're roasting is hot air. And we're going to cover that in a minute. But what happens is that there's over 800 compounds that rise over the process. And ready for this one third of them are actually all aromatic. So over 200 compounds, you know, over 250 different compounds are aromatic compounds that are being released when the green bean hits hot air. So, you know, that's just a little bit of info there for you. But now let's cover the seven steps. What happens um, when we're roasting coffee? Well, step one is obviously coffee beans are placed in a roaster. Now you can do this on a fry pan. Um, it won't be as effective. You can do this on a, on a, on a drum where you're rotating by hand over fire. But what it is is that the green beans are put into a roaster and um, hot air actually starts to take, take that process. That 800 chemical, that 800 compounds of chemical changes start from green bean on the way to roasting. Now, the beans are placed in a roaster where the temperatures are over 200 degrees Celsius, so around 400 um, and above Fahrenheit, so very, very hot, 200 degrees Celsius plus. Um, and what happens is that the hot air starts to release these chemicals. Uh, it, um, it does vary based on where the coffee beans are grown, what altitude they're grown at, what um, varietal they are. So when we're roasting coffee, we're trying to make sure we've got similar compound coffees or same size so that we get an even rice. But again, the winner is what's in the cup. So when we're roasting coffee, it's, it's the last process before making the actual coffee to start to see what flavors we want to bring out. So step two, um, you know, the, what happens with the coffee is they're very hard to start with. And as the flames, you know, indirect flame is hitting through hot air, what's happening is that we're getting this, um, you know, this, this release, the beans start to soften. So it starts to soften the bean, it starts to expand. Uh, what we actually do is we start to lose the moisture. So if I was to put 100 kilograms, um, or let's say one kilo um, in a machine, I would get 800 grams out. If I was to put 100 kilograms, I'd get, you know, um, 80 um, kilograms out. You lose a roughly 20% of the, the actual weight of the green bean. And that's just through the process of roasting where it goes from a green bean to a you know, hard coffee compound to a soft pound that later gets ground. Um, what happens is you want constant rotation. So step three is you need constant rotation while there's even heat distribution. And the rotation means that the beans are folding nicely um, and you're getting even heat. No different to baking a cake. For all the bakers out there, if you're baking a cake in the oven, if you don't get heat, heat, um, even heat distribution, Obviously, you don't bake the perfect cake. Same with pizza. Um, if you don't have the, the right oven set up with the temperature and the rotation of heat, you don't. Your pizza cooks on one side, but not on the other. Step four, uh, the beans are checked. So what you'll find is there's this little probe that comes out. You can see it on YouTube videos where people stick in a probe and pull it out and they're smelling the bean. They're looking at the bean, you know, and they're checking it. They're checking the process. What they're looking for is they're smelling. They're, um, it's got very distinct different smells through the process of roasting. They're looking at the color 
how it's transforming, and they're listening because coffee will, will start as no sound and then it'll start to pop a bit like popcorn. Step five, what happens is once the desired uh, roast is achieved, normally anywhere from, let's call it 200 degrees Celsius of the product to 220, 225, depending if you're going for a light roast or a medium roast or a medium dark roast, uh, once the roast process um, has, has reached where you want it to be, anywhere from, say, 12, 14 minutes to 20, 22 minutes, um, any longer drives out the bean, any quicker doesn't let the bean develop, um, it's, step five is that it travels into a cooling tray. And it's very, very important in the cooling tray that you cool it as quickly as you can. And the quicker you cool that coffee, um, the sweeter it becomes. It traps in all the sweetness and gets rid of the bitterness. If you cool the coffee too too slowly, you actually get quite a bitter and harsh flavor and doesn't bring out the beans. Uh, you start to see by now, step five, it's pretty intense. And I'm trying to give you, the listeners, obviously, the, 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 um, the short version and the simple version. But step six, once that coffee's come out and it's cooled, you can make it straight away. However, it's not best to. There's a process that happens after roasting, and step six is all about releasing the gas. Um, CO2 is emitted out of the beans for the next 72 hours after it's roasted. So coffee actually starts to formulate and hit its peak around seven days after it's manufactured, right through to about 14 days. Now, yeah, you'll hear people say, oh, but you can do it, you can roast, you can use it earlier, you can use it a year later. Yeah, of course you can. Unfortunately, there's no official expiry date on coffee. However, the optimum flavor profile of a coffee is between seven days and 14 to 21 days max of, of that coffee being roasted. So knowing what date, your coffee's been roasted is very, very important, and it will affect the way you, you know, produce coffee, whether it's a drip filter, a plunger, a machine, which we'll cover in a couple of weeks' time. Now, now, now Philip, if but, I can interrupt you just at that point. Yeah. Obviously, if you're roasting the beans yourself, um, you have some control over uh, those uh, aspects of the, of the process. But if you're, if you're buying it pre-roasted... Um, yes, what are the key things to look for on the packets or to, to give you a, an idea of what's yep. what? Perfect. And then you great segue to step seven, which is what we talk about protecting and preserving. Um, and that's all about the packaging. So what you need to do if you haven't roasted the coffee yourself is ask what was the roast date, not the package date, because the coffee could have been roasted and then packaged a week later or two weeks later, because some places keep them in silos. What was the date of roast? And any reputable coffee company will, will tell you the date it was roasted. And again, not the date it was packaged, the date it was roasted. Never, ever go by a used-by date or best-before date because technically there is no used-by date except by law, I think, that you've got to put a maximum of 12 months. Um, so the roast date is important, not the used-by or the best-before, the roast date. And then the packaging. Um, so light, air, and temperature strip the coffee of all of its flavors. So you've got to keep it away from the light. You've got to keep it in a cool, constant temperature and away from the air. So the two most important things is know the roast date and two, make sure the packaging has been right. Make sure that it's been kept away from the light, air and temperature. And if you do that, then all the steps we've covered over the previous weeks will bring out the best in the coffee. But what we say is remember the coffee's personal. So what I like, somebody else doesn't like. You know, that's how I form my habit of wine conveniently, that's my excuse anyway, is that I got into wine because um, it's exactly like coffee. I can give somebody a bottle of wine that costs $1,000. I can give them a bottle of wine that's $10 and I prefer the $10. Price does not depict the quality um, or the, the preference of somebody's flavor profile. Coffee is exactly the same. I can put something in front of you that I think is amazing, uh, but somebody else doesn't like it. And that's part of the journey. Um, but the secret to making sure 
that you get the elements right, is that you know, you know you're know you buying coffee from a reputable person um, that was happy to tell you the roast date and who's using the right packaging. Okay, so that's um, good, obviously, and, and as we've touched on before, um, the country of origin or the or the um, the farm of origin has a, a strong bearing on uh, obviously the start point of before you get to the roasting. So is 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 there? And I guess it's the the personal thing comes into it again as to whether you know you prefer coffee from uh, Vietnam or Brazil or Ethiopia or wherever, or, or is the is is this? Maybe this is maybe I'm jumping ahead to the the, the drinking section in, in a couple of weeks, but um, is is there some way of saying okay, I know nothing about coffee, and I want to go into the shop and buy some coffee so I can make. Yeah, yeah, coffee. and and that's a great question. For a starting point, I always said to people, you don't need the fancy machines for a starting point because if you're just getting into coffee and you want to know more about coffee, a simple drip filter. So a simple filter, whether and that can be gravity filter, like that could be buying a filter paper, putting it um, over the top of a cup, putting in some fresh ground coffee, and pouring water over it. Now the the elements to it, um, and we will cover it in depth in, in, in not next week or week after. Um, but is that it's it's temperature, pressure, and volume that affect how coffee is made. So if you bring it back to the roasting segment of it and the sourcing segment, right? The coffee from Ethiopia and roasted in a certain way will have a different, distinct profile um, that'll be different to a coffee from, say, Costa Rica. So Ethiopia is quite fruity. Ethiopian is quite cocoa-y. Ethiopian is quite strong. Um, the coffees from um, Costa Rica are quite florally. They're quite acidic. Um, and I mean pleasant acidity, not a bad acidity. So if we take the origin and we take the way we roast it and then we still make it the same way, we will get a completely different flavor in the cup. And, and that's why I say to people, if you're just getting into coffee, it's all about tasting. Be prepared to taste as much as possible. But a simple way to do it is through a filter system. You know, and whether that's a $20 drip filter system that you, know, you pour hot water in, you put the coffee in the filter paper and then let it drip, Keep it consistent, but buy. You know, I always say to people, buy two or three different copies um, from your roaster. Buy something that's a blend. Buy something that comes from a different country, from different parts of the world. The best way to taste things is to actually do them in line with each other. So you don't have to be a coffee expert. We've done this with many people. You don't need to be a coffee expert to firstly know what you like and don't like, but two, to pick up what differences the coffee tastes like. What's best to do it is to have two or three in front of you that are different and then you can start to taste the differences. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And back in my uh, wild past, I was involved in the in the wine industry for five years and um, I guess it's the same principle as, as you alluded to earlier on. You know, it's, it's, it's what your palate is happy with. So, um... Correct, correct. And that's what... Um, uh, you know, that's that we've come a long way. Australia is one of the leading, well, probably the leading nation in the world in coffee drinking. Um, and one of the reasons is because we're so multicultural, right? Um, as given by your show and how many different, you know, ethnic people, um, countries and ge- demographics and geographics you represent. is That's fast-tracked Australia's coffee culture is, is the fact that we are so multicultural and everyone drinks their coffee in different ways. Yeah, there's probably, you know, three distinct manners, Um you know, some prefer milk, some don't. Like the Europeans drink a lot more black coffee, you know, whereas the, the you know, the, the, the 
Pacific nations drink more milk. Um, some people prefer Nespresso and instant. Some people prefer drip filter. But what you find is we've, because of the multiculturalism of this country, we've actually advanced the coffee techniques. So whether you drink a coffee black or white in Australia or whether you drink it through a filter, a plunger, an espresso machine, even a capsule, you're finding we're getting, you know, amazing coffee. You know, absolutely amazing coffee. And that's some, something that makes Australia unique in the coffee world. You know, we source amazing coffee from around the world. We roast, we, we, we've got great techniques in how we roast and, and the knowledge. And we also appreciate it um, as a nation. And a lot of that's driven by the multiculturalism of the country. Yeah, that's um, a, 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 a good segue, I think, into my next question, in fact. Um, you, you, you mentioned, as a sort of an aside there, uh, uh, coffee in capsules. And this seems to be becoming a very popular uh, way of getting an easy coffee at, at home or in the office. And I just wonder, and, and you look at them and there's all sorts of um, labels on them from, you know, from Buenos Aires, from Rome, from Naples, from yeah. wherever. Um, is that just marketing hype or, or is there some genuine, uh, oops, genuine affinity between you know, what the label says and what's actually in the capsule? No, they have to. By law, um, they have to tell you. Of course, some of the marketing hype, um, it'll tell you it's from Colombia or Costa Rica, but it won't tell you what grade it is. Um, a lot of people, and I've been to one of the world's biggest um, capsule manufacturers uh, where people send in, they do contract capsules, um, and people send them in different coffees, and then they get it out of their label. And, and I tell you, it's an eye-opener, Tim, because you sit there and you watch the different brands, and I'm not going to mention them, of course, uh, global brands where you see the ones that are actually care about their brand and their product and, and um, send them in great coffee and you see the ones that are sending in, sad to say, off cups. Um, a lot of stuff that's probably swept off the floor and thrown into a drum because when it's in a capsule, it can hide. But when they're saying it's copied from Colombia, it, it has to be from Colombia because that's illegal not to be. Is it hard to trace back? Well, of course it is. Um, however, there's different grades of coffee, just like there's different grades of, you know, olives and different grades of grapes to make wine. Um, you can get, you know, your first pass olives, which is your extra virgin. You've got your, you know, your next pass of olives and all the rest of it. And same with grapes, you know. So it, there's a lot of hiding in capsules, but you'll know. I mean, let taste always set you in the right direction, I say to people. Um, it really is about what you like and don't like. It's not the coffee is personal, so um, we need to make sure that we're you know on that as well. Okay, now you started off today talking about the roasting process and the the multiple steps that you go through. And um, yeah. if, I, if I'm going to try roasting my own beans, and I'm, and I'm not sure I'm that brave, but if I was to do that, um, obviously the source of the original bean is really important in that process. Um, yeah. And the other thing is that um, how I roast it is obviously uh, going to have significant bearing as well because, as you said, you can over overcook it and whatever. So yeah. how do I satisfy myself as a layperson, that what I'm doing is going to give me the best cup of coffee? Well, you know, I think it's, it's my number one tip is always taste, taste, taste. 
you know, you've got to taste everything. Even if you think you've made a bad coffee or you think someone gives you a coffee and it's maybe old or that's how I learned so much about it, um, is that I was prepared to taste everything. Um, and then, you know, break it down, not, not be opinionated about, I like it or I don't like it, but it actually goes further. You know, I've tasted coffee that's two years old. Um, and I've tasted it to, you know, and, and gone, okay, well, what happens to coffee? Okay. It becomes quite stale. The aroma is different. You need to grind it finer. I was able to teach myself all this because I never, I was always had an open mind. So the short answer is taste everything and have an open mind to what you're doing. Experiment, enjoy the journey, not the destination. Like everyone gets caught up on this uh, amazing cup of coffee. Well, how about just enjoying the journey of it? Uh, and that's why I say we love when people are coming in uh, and saying, oh, I've never never liked coffee. I don't like coffee. And it's like, well, why not? Oh, it's bitter. Okay, well, let's can we get you something to try that that we don't believe is going to be bitter? And, and you know, nine times out of ten, people go, oh, this is good. And there still is that one out of ten that says, no, I still don't like it. But at least they can make their decision an, an informed one uh, because somebody's actually, you know, sat down with them and said, let me take you on a journey. So, you know, we all... And listeners will, will understand this. We've all gone to that favorite coffee shop and the person says, oh, no, I can't make your milk extra hot. Well, why not? If I want it extra hot, that's how I want you to make it. I'm paying for it. Oh, oh no, we can't do a double shot. Our coffee's not made to be double shot. Oh, now you can't have milk in that. But my coffee wasn't designed to put milk in it. Or you can't have soy. Well, coffee's personal. Uh, and, and, and that comes back to my point. In, you know, the short answer is enjoy the process, be an open mind and taste everything. Okay, so trial and error basically is the is the way to get to uh, what what you as an individual think is your perfect cup of coffee. Oh, totally, totally. I said I, I um you know in February we did a health kick. Me and my wife with um twenty eight days. I picked February because it was the shortest amount of days. Um, very strategic. No sugar, no alcohol. Um, you know, no carbohydrates. Very limited. Uh, and I drink three to five piccolo, you know, lattes every day. Piccolo lattes, small lattes, right? Um. Well, for 28 days, I couldn't have milk. So I had iced long blacks. And I used to turn my nose up, not, you know, not at people that had them. I just go, I don't want an iced long black. By the end of 28 days, I loved to ice long blacks and I still drink them, you know. Um, but it was something I never did before because I wasn't put in that position. And I've got an open mind when it comes to coffee. So there's a lot of people out there that will say, you can't drink soy milk with coffee. Well, I don't love soy milk, but I've tasted plenty of very good soy milk lattes and now I wouldn't necessarily that wouldn't be my first preference uh, but it doesn't mean that it's terrible so what are we missing out on in the world if we're not trying things and a lot would be go listeners would be listening to this and say not just coffee a lot's to be said with food one of the best things about this country is the multiculturalism and the food you know choices we've got you just have to jump on food or and see the different nationalities of food that we have you don't get that in many countries around the world no, I think that's a very good uh Point, Philip, and it probably takes us to um, a good place to uh, sum up a little bit and talk about uh, what's coming up over the next couple of weeks. So um, next week um, we'll be replaying the first three episodes uh, from this series and then the following week um, Philip's going to be talking to us about um, the actual drinking process um, which is probably not quite as simple as picking up a cup and uh, pouring it down your throat. So um, we're going to talk about that. And then he's going to kindly answer questions that um, relate to coffee, which you might want to uh, uh, put to him. So um, between now and the 15th of April, if you want to either email your questions um, to us at our studio at globalchat.org.au 
or call us on the global chat line 0419780156. Um, we'll be happy to uh, put them to Philip uh, when we uh, meet again on the 20th of April. So uh, once again, Philip, thank you so much for your time and you've been listening to the coffee story on Global Chat Radio, the voice of multicultural Western Australia. Thank you. Coffee beans grow by the billions So they've got to find those extra cups to fill They got an awful lot of coffee in Brazil 